0: Welcome to this episode of Sanely Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today, I'm speaking with Duma, who's going to come on and share you know, his background growing up as a Catholic, and he's going to highlight the indigenous experience uh, of Catholicism. So uh, thank you for coming on today.
1: Hey, thanks very much for having me.
0: Yeah. So how I ended up finding Duma was, uh, I mean, we follow each other on social media, but um I've always seen him on Instagram, you know, showcase and highlight various aspects of his indigenous culture. And I want to say it's called Mi'kmaq. It's pronounced Mi'kmaq. Yeah, so he definitely highlights, you know, that little, that, you know, segment of his his culture by, you know, providing lessons, um, you know, hand gestures and showcasing different um, attire that they wear. So I've greatly been blessed by his um you know education that he does on instagram so i definitely wanted him to come on and share uh, this information about you know what is it like to be an indigenous catholic uh so let's get started um i know that you say you're a cradle catholic so tell us a little bit about your cradle catholic
1: upbringing sure sure so i was born and raised in upstate new york in a very big very catholic family um which I guess normally might be something that would set someone up for a good relationship with the faith moving forward. Um, Unfortunately, in my case, my home life was very abusive, and I was also a victim of clergy sexual abuse from the parish priest that was sort of like the spiritual advisor for my parents. So I grew up very much involved in Catholic parish life and Catholic home life, but with all these experiences kind of tying in with very negative, very traumatic experiences. So my experience with Catholicism, as I have grown, has been to really define my own associations with it, my, and my own way of relating for it. Um, I think that's why I, I kind of stumble over the cradle Catholic question, because yes, I am a cradle Catholic, but I'm not I'm not Catholic because of being a cradle Catholic. Yeah,
0: so you've given a lot of information about your um, your faith journey, and I'm so sorry to hear that you are a victim of you know the priestly sex abuse scandal. But I'm glad to see that you've you know remained in the faith and have found ways to heal. Uh, so, how have you made um, you know the faith your own since then?
1: Uh, so one. One way that that happened was um, affiliating with the Byzantine rite. So my dad's side of the family was originally Byzantine rite. So I had had some exposure to the liturgy and the practices as I grew up, but we were raised mostly Roman rite at home. Um, So when I was a young adult in my undergrad, I was looking for ways to... Well, really, I was, I was, I had been apart from the sacraments for a while, partially because of my own, just the way I was living at the time, and partially because, you know, getting... Even going into a Roman Rite church could be so traumatic or re-traumatizing, I, I couldn't even do it to get the sacraments. So I ended up finding a Byzantine Rite parish um, that was pretty near my university, and that is where... Um it just it just clicked. It was um I mean it's I mean obviously for one it's an aesthetically very beautiful way of practicing the faith, but I think also having a, a heritage connection to it and then just finding a way to really have a living sacramental life that was psychologically manageable, I guess was uh was kind of the kicker for me.
0: So I've noticed your Catholic spirituality involves a lot of various rich expressions ranging from, you know, the indigenous, Spanish, you know, Byzantine, you know, form of expression. How do you manage to fuse them together um, in a way that works for you?
1: Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, And that's something that for years was very, uh, just very difficult. It kind of felt like a a balancing act, like I was juggling all these different things, like, Oh well am I am I ignoring one in preference of the other or am I being too exclusive? Like is this something that can really work? Um, and it wasn't until I was I was actually talking with a friend of mine who is Mi'kmaq. And he is well, he's not an elder, but he's a very wise man and he's he's really well versed in our customs and traditional beliefs. And I was talking to him about just the frustration of I had moved to a new city, actually the place where I'm living now, and I guess I guess I just looked like ethnically ambiguous enough for people to have a lot of questions about my origins. (laughs) And, um, you know, I might bring up the indigenous heritage. Well, what percent of this are you? What percent of that are you? And I was talking about the frustration of kind of feeling like an algebra problem more than a person. And uh, he said that within the Mi'kmaq worldview, someone who is mixed is not made up of portions of their heritage, but they are instead 100% of everything that they are. So that was something that really struck home for me and really made me feel a lot more liberated, not just in the way that I experience the world or experience the faith, but also in the way that I express it, like you mentioned on my social media accounts, um, where I I feel pretty free now to, you know, share things from the Byzantine calendar or things about indigenous saints or like you said, the, the language lesson, little language lessons I do here and there. So it's become less of a balancing act and more a accepting all the things that I am, which I think has made I don't know, for me it kind of feels like it's how can you move into a more authentic way of meeting God as you know, all of what I am as opposed to like, oh, well this week the indigenous side of me gets to pray and commune with God. And then the next week we'll try Ukraine. And instead I'm kind of now gathering all of me and connecting with, um, with God in a more full way. We rarely hear about
0: the experiences of indigenous Catholics. What are some like key things that we should know about uh, the state of uh, Indigenous Catholics in America or just around the globe? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I think one important, really important piece of the Indigenous Catholic experience, which is often pushed aside because it's pretty unpleasant, is the, um, the legacy of the residential schools, both in Canada and the U.S., so these were these were schools that were government instituted, but contractually run by members of different uh, Christian congregations. So that you know, they're Protestant run there are Protestant-run schools, there are a lot of Catholic-run schools, particularly in the Dakotas and Canada. There are a lot of Catholic-run schools, and the 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 uh, the point of these schools was to erase children's indigenous culture, basically to get them to forget who they were and where they they came from, so that the succeeding generations would be more and more Euro or Anglo, more white, less indigenous, and less of a threat to the existing institution. The, the guiding principle was to, I forget who the quote is from, but one of the engineers of this whole system said they wanted to save the man by killing the Indian. So even though a lot of these schools were run by priests and sisters of different religious orders, they are known and have been documented to have been Places of horrendous abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, right up into the 60s is when they finally started closing them down. So I do know some elders who went through this system and are still Catholics. They still have a very vibrant faith um, despite the fact that governmentally and ecclesially their experiences are often pushed aside. So that is, one, that is one super important thing when it comes to knowing about the indigenous Catholic experience is that we, there is this, this very tragic and sad past that a lot of people lived through and have somehow
0: maintained faith. You know, you've given us a lot of great things about the state of indigenous um, Catholics in America. Um, what are some other challenges that you know, indigenous Catholics face within the church that you think we should be aware of?
1: That's a really good question. Because I think a lot of the, I mean, the first thing I want to say is like linguistic, like, oh, it'd be really nice to have, you know, liturgies and catechisms and such in our languages. Um, but then because of the residential school system and other really, you know, genocidal programs by various governments, the the rate of Indigenous language literacy in our own communities can often be very sadly low. So that wouldn't really, you know, that it wouldn't really, it might not affect as much as one would want, You know, to have some, some masses in Mi'kmaq or in Cherokee or what have you, it might not even have the unifying effect we would want. I think one of the great challenges is probably just people knowing that Indigenous Catholics are, are there, that we're here with, unique, if often painful experiences, but with a lot to offer and that just, it would be good to have some, some outreach from, from who might it be administration or bishops or someone basically, you know, the halls of power within the church to not just acknowledge that Indigenous Catholics are there, but to ask, to hear about these experiences, to listen, to ask what, what do Indigenous communities throughout the States and Canada and Latin America need from the church as far as having their needs met, they're being ministered to, and then even, you know, being, being involved and, and seeing seeing their people, you know, as deacons, as priests, as sisters.
0: Yeah, that's important, yeah. having, you know, representation and making sure that um, your unique gifts and talents that God has given you are, are used and recognized. So definitely a big outreach on the hierarchy is uh you know, needed uh, to make sure that indigenous Catholics are represented in their church because it's their church too. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So you last question, just out of curiosity, do you know any or what's a, a saint that you think we should know about um, who you feel is like impactful and who has influenced, you know, your your journey as, as like a final little fun question.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, St. Cotiri de Kikwita is super important as an, as you know, the first canonized indigenous saint. Um, and she's she's not the only one who has been beatified or canonized, but she's probably the most well-known. And uh, I grew up very close to where she grew up. So um, our stories have kind of been wound together, not just by virtue of heritage and faith, but also kind of that geography, which is always really nice for me because I've always, always really liked her... Uh, having her intercession and always felt her really close as a protector. Um, so she is, she is, she's a really great, a really great saint to know about. Also Rose Prince from British Columbia uh, has not yet been um, beatified or anything, but has a beautiful story. And there are a lot of miracles associated with her intercession. So she's a really good one to look up. Um, so, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, definitely. Thank you for mentioning a uh, saint. Kateri you know she's she is one a well-known figure in the church and in and in the Americas too so yeah, yeah definitely yeah. a pivotal player in our you know history uh but definitely want to thank you for sharing this information with us I think a lot of what you said today resonates with me and the history of you know black Catholicism in America for and sure. the struggles um you know in all, we just want to make sure that our voices and experiences and gifts and talents are utilized and recognized and elevated by, you know, God and put in the right places within the church. So uh, all of what you said is is very, you know, reminiscent of, um, you know, our own struggle. So so definitely thank you for uh, highlighting that information. And I hope more and definitely moving the dialogue forward to have bishops and, um, you know, the USCCB and, you know, just individual dioceses with strong uh, presence of you know Native Americans or Indigenous Americans, you know, to you know have their voice heard in their diocese. I think that's a yeah, big push that should absolutely. Out.
1: And I've always, I've always very strongly held the opinion that the decentering whiteness or the Anglo or Euro perspective within the church is good for everyone, including white Catholics and Catholics of European Anglo descent, um, because it helps us all get closer to you know, the the veracity, the real authentic experience of our mission as a universal church. So,
0: yeah, that's definitely good right there that you said that. I, once we understand more cultures and have that truly lower case Catholic experience, you know, mm-hmm. we can deep, fully appreciate, you know, our own, you know, everybody else's unique differences in how to, how they celebrate the faith and how they express. It's the same faith. It's just expressed, uh, you know, different, tongue languages experiences but it's the same faith that christ handed down uh 2000 years ago so that's a good point absolutely Absolutely. Um, well that's going to conclude this episode of saintly witnesses you guys can tune in to the next episode uh where we talk to uh, the catholics across social media that are doing great things